I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? Hi there. Today, we are excited to be interviewing Spencer Hall, uh, who has a special relationship with our family. Um, You'll hear a little bit about how he helped Mike and Alicia at a very critical moment in their lives. Um, and we're really excited to have you listen to, uh, the amazing person that he is, the experiences that he's been through, uh, how, uh, his family, uh, his brothers and sisters and his mom and dad have helped shape the man who he is and who he's become, uh, really excited about, uh, many of the things that he talked about. You guys are in for a treat today. All right, listeners, excited to have you on today's show. Um, Today we've got one of my personal heroes on the show today. His name is Spencer Hall, and so glad you're here, man. Thanks for coming and joining us. Um, I'm going to give you a little background about Spencer real quick before we we open this up and and really kind of take this where we want to tonight, talking about delight um, and, and... I, I just look at, at Spencer, my wife and I, Alicia, um, met Spencer at like the, the most difficult point of our entire lives uh, as we we're laying on the pavement, like half dead. Right. So we were, we were on a scooter and, and in a scooter accident, we got hit by a car and, um, Spencer was sitting like right at the inner, kind of that intersection where we got hit. And, um, so we, the first person on the scene of the accident and you know i was comatose at the scene i i don't remember anything about it but alicia was you know with her injuries scalped uh broken neck in seven places broken femur shattered knee shattered foot and just totally alert there laying on the street spencer is there on the scene and and he basically comes to alicia and puts her head back together in a way if you will um does everything to try and stop the bleeding and literally was a huge, um, blessing in our lives to, to help save our lives in, in our, in our darkest, darkest moments of life. And, uh, ever since then, this happened back in about 2009, May the 4th. And, um, we, we just have this love for you. Um, you are a hero for, for us and, and our, our kids know, all three of our kids know who you are and that you're our, our hero. And, You'll be their hero too, and I'm telling you, it's uh, it's very real to us. And and we've we've watched your life. We, um, sorry about that. We we fought. We fought. <laughs> we we uh, what do they call that? Facebook this, stalk. This isn't creepy, <laughs> yeah, well, right? So it is, but it's you know when you got heroes, that's kind of what people do to people. So you just know that you're in that category for us. But um, no, I you know we just we're so we're so grateful for you in our life. And, and the one thing that's so fun about you is we've, is we've gotten to know you over time and, and as we've, um, had you in our home and you come in and you engage with Alicia and I and our kids and you play with our kids and, 
we, you're just that one of those guys that just makes everybody feel better about themselves. You, you really do have that about you. And we feel that from you. And so we're, we're so grateful that the guy that kind of saved our lives isn't just a big D bag. We're pretty pretty excited that like, there's this great guy behind that. And so anyway, um, that's a little introduction there and, and, and excited to talk to you and just have a conversation with you today. And, and thanks for coming and being with us on the show, man. Well, that's a, that's a really kind intro. And, you know, I think the thing for me that's been so amazing is to, to, to watch in that moment, I was at a stop sign and I watched it happen. And, you know, I was telling you earlier, I, I walked up to the scene. I took one glance at you and I'm like, that guy's dead. <laughs> and then I, I walked over and, uh, started taking care of Alicia and, um, you know, it's one of those things that I was shook yeah. and I, and I thought, well, I, I just watched two people die. Yeah. And I had a friend working at the hospital and I, I, I knew she shouldn't do this, but I, I sent her a text and I said, Hey, I just was first on the scene of a crazy accident. I don't know if they're going to make it. I would love to get updates if you could give me updates through the night. And, um, she, I, I guess, I, I think she was, I don't know if she was helping somehow she connected with you guys. And I think mentioned that she knew me and and said it would be okay if he came by i think i came by that night didn't you did. i mm-hmm. yeah i think it was that yeah, very you came night and visited with my mom my sister and me yeah and i i just remember you know it was just one of those things and then you know meeting you dan and and, and meeting the family it it felt in that moment it felt special that we the, the, this was something special that it wasn't just by chance that we right. all happened to be in that moment and since that time, I mean, I've done the same thing. I, I, I watch you guys. I follow your social media and I get the, I get, that's the thrill I get. I mean, think about from that moment, you guys put yourselves back together. You get married, you have three beautiful kids, you've moved around, you've built a beautiful life and these things are built, you know, brick by brick. And one thing that I remember you guys telling me one time, I remember, you know, Alicia was in a in a halo you were still all messed up and you guys went back finally when you could go back to work i remember you were working at like a call center or yeah. something and i remember you guys telling me that like you were just healing mm-hmm. so you go to work you get as many hours in as you could and you just kind of laugh about it. like we are in so much pain <laughs> <laughs> and and you know you kind of got you got stiffed on the bills it, it wrecked you financially um you know you were just so many things that were thrown at you at a young time in your life when you're trying to, you know, you got all your hopes and dreams, but I, that has always stuck with me that moment that like we were healing together and just, I've thought about it all the time that when you're going through something hard, you can still put a smile on your face, find somebody ideally that you can heal together with, you know, and I've always been inspired by that. Just, you guys still got in. You could have easily not gone in and worked. You could have found something else to do. You could have like, you could have not been together. You know, I know that was on the table Yeah. and just the choices you guys made at that time were, are all part of it. And I, and I'm convinced that, um, our health is a reflection of what we eat. Our attitude is a reflection of what we put in and who we choose to associate with. Um, and then even the, the things we choose to believe in, you know, right now there's so many things that are chopping away at our faith in institutions, in politics, business, 
everything and it's so easy to be cynical it's so easy to to not do it and so that's the thing that i've loved watching and he was saying he stalks me on the on social media, but I say I stalk you guys too. And At so, least just in the room, just yeah. FYI. So, so, um, but I just think that's the thing: like building a life brick by brick, even when it's hard, even when you're in a lot of pain, even when you're not treated fairly. Because I I can remember I was, uh, you know, it wasn't even my bank account, but I I know the circumstances, <laughs> and I remember feeling wronged about yeah. it. Like this isn't right. Wait a second. The way this went, yeah. and to have you guys just be able to forgive and put it aside. And I, and I, and I know, you know, a lot of times people are told, well, you just need to forgive and you'll get over it. And that's not fair to everybody. Everybody has their own journey. And I, and I don't mean that everybody who is in an abusive relationship or in a hard thing that they just need to forgive. Sure. I, it's, it's too much to ask. Sure. But if you can, yeah. And if you can find a way to do that, I watch that with you guys just to decide, Hey, this is what we can control. This is what we can do. And we, we're just going to do it. That's I've always really admired that. So it's been it's been funny. I think on May 4th every year I get a text <laughs> and we remember that. And I just can't I just have been so it's been so fun to see the life you guys have put together since that time. So the feeling is absolutely mutual. And Dan, too, I think it's been fun. I think that conversation we shared that first night yeah. and realizing, you know, we were jazz fans and um <laughs> You know, since that time, you you guys had lost your dad about that time, and then yeah. you know I lost my mom about a year and a half ago, and it's given me. I, and I don't know if you guys experienced this, but I all of a sudden wanted to call every friend who had ever lost a yes, parent, absolutely. and say, "I am so sorry yeah. that when you were going through that, I did I not there. know. Mm-hmm. I did I didn't respond in the way that I would now. And so, you know, I think back on what you guys were going through at that time and everything and in that moment and so i'm just so it gives me so much satisfaction and i know i'm just an outsider looking in but it gives me so much satisfaction to see what you guys have put together brick by brick what's what's so cool though to me spencer is you're not you're not an outsider looking in our lives like you're you're part of a family Mm -hmm. you know like that's we we feel that way about you and and there's no way that that didn't happen for a reason yeah. we we just fully believe that okay as we're talking i'm i'm sitting here going gosh there's so much i want to talk to you about there's so much about your personality that i just i admire about you and it just totally you hit the nail on the head of what i i was trying like what i was thinking of when you talked about how your mom died about a year mm-hmm. and a half ago and you said at that moment i wanted to call all my friends who had lost a parent and I wanted to reach out to them and let them know, I'm so sorry. There's something, that, that that's it. There's something about you in it, in it. There's an ability that you have to empathize with people. And, and, it, and I feel that when you're around. Like I feel like this person, when you're around me, I feel like this person really wants to understand me. This person wants to connect with me and wants to really understand where I'm at probably be probably because this person wants to in some way help me if I need help or just be a support in my life. Um, so I, that's, that's a, I think that's an amazing thing about you, an amazing characteristic. I, can you just, I know I, I kind of throw that out there at you and I'm like, Oh yeah, here, this is you. But no, I like, is that something that is important to you? Is that, do you yeah. look for that kind of connection? And if you do like, why? Like, what is it about you that really gives you the desire to make sure that you're connecting with people the right way for them? 
Well, that's, that's, that's a very kind thing. And it's something I aspire to, but you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, my mom really was someone who just, just exhibited love in everything that she did. And I, I was actually thinking about this whenever I see some of the homeless folks, and yeah. I'm always thinking, man, what can we do? And I, my mom used to always see people and she would use the word creature, which doesn't sound really great now, <laughs> but she was like, look, the, the, these, the, this is a little creature. Like look, what is going on in their life? And she was, she just would kind of attract strays. You know, we would always have someone in our house that was just putting themselves together. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. just been something that I've always, um, found a lot of joy in. And like I said, uh, you guys are really kind and I, I don't mean to sound like I'm anything great, but I do genuinely feel what you're saying. And, and it is something that I feel so thankful for when I get a chance to have somebody not feel like, okay, all right, but <laughs> that's a little too much, you know, because I do feel deeply that as humans, we're going through this very difficult experience together and we are so quick to injure each other. We're so quick to um, forget each other, to put each other down, step on each other on the way up. And so I've always been fascinated by the people who um, don't do that because that's, that's the easy impulse is to fight for ourselves. And how do we overcome that and be a little different? And I, and I don't know. I, and I don't know that I always do it. And, you know, I think... Um, I, I don't know there's a secret to it, but I, I, I think that there's something so special when you start to look at the world through a lens of like, well, what are they going through? Mm -hmm. You know, my brother does a really cool thing that I like with his kids where, um, so I'll go visit, you know, I've got 19 nieces and nephews. I go show up at their house and they're getting a little older now. They're starting to be in high school and college. So it's not so much anymore. But when they were younger, I'd show up and they would jump on you and they just bombard you with questions and, and they want to tell you like, I have a, I have a lizard, you know, and so they would just be pounding you with things about them. Like yeah. I, you know, I got new shoes, I got this. And my brother would interrupt him and say, okay, you have to ask him two questions about himself before you can say something about you again. And they'd be like, Ugh. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world to ask anybody else. Like who cares about anybody else? Well, I've got, got a so lizard. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I, I, I thought that's it, you know, teaching kids young to get outside themselves yeah. is a huge gift. And, and then another thing I've thought about with my, with my parents, with their parenting style, you know, they had five kids in six and a half years, got married when they were like 22, didn't have family around and just, you know, I just can't imagine putting that together being, yeah. you know, you don't really have your career solidified. You're trying to figure it out. Five kids in six and a half years is just incredible. Yeah. And they did a thing that I think is the ultimate parenting trick. And that is they made, they allowed the kids to somehow feel like things were our things. So church was our thing and school was our thing. And so, I, I mean, I don't ever remember them asking for my report card. Yeah. I don't think they ever said, well, you better go to church or you're not. And that's such a trick because your kids are going to, if you let them choose for themselves, they're going to stay up late all night sure. and, and eat sugar like 
straight into their veins and yeah and so you know there's That's a very there's, mature thing to do how yeah. easy as a parent but there's that joke too that you say like if you were if you if kids were allowed to say yes to everything that goes through their mind by the end of the day they would be driving themselves to disneyland <laughs> every day you know i think so, alicia tries that every day right. i stop her I'm the, eventually I'm you would just put the kids in the car and we would drive <laughs> to Disneyland. Right. Uh, but i think that's the trick that my parents somehow convinced us that it was our show and yeah. if we if we were going to accomplish anything, it was on us. And that's a really, really hard trick as so a parent. Can I pause you yeah. right here? Cause this is that that's really cool. And, and obviously I've got three of my own and, and a lot of our listeners are going to have little kids too. Take us back to that time. When, how did your parents do that? Like what, what would they say to you guys? What would they, would they make you feel like, Hey, you're making these choices in your life and just kind of try and guide you. Like what happened? Well, they were lucky cause my oldest sister First of all, I think when you have a, a girl as the oldest, it's helpful, <laughs> you know? And then I think, so the, my older sister and older brother are just like, <laughs> good you, yeah, you yeah. just don't, like I shared a room with my brother and all I remember is, you know, he would have like charts on the wall that he was going to do this many push-ups and he was <laughs> going to deliver this many papers. And he would even in the morning, we'd wake up. And he would sit me down. He'd say, "Okay, here's what we've got to accomplish oh, today." You're kidding. No, That's and awesome. he, how old are you guys? Yeah. At this he's point? five years older, but he might as well be fifty years old. I mean, is this when you guys were young? <laughs> I, it's all I can remember. Yeah, <laughs> man. And he was a huge jazz fan. He was uh -huh. a big athlete, and so we'd listen to Hot Rod Hunley. We didn't have yeah. a TV. Yeah. We we listened to Hot Rod Hunley called the jazz games. But I'm not even. I'm not exaggerating that he had these like he had like a lockable. He had a desk that had a locked drawer. And it had like his money in there and he had a paper out and he would, yeah. I mean, back then you had to collect, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know? So he was like probably like 10 or 11 Collecting and knocking money. doors and, and he doesn't get paid unless people pay him. And so he would sit me down and he'd say, look, I got to hit, you know, 500 free throws today. I'm going to hit this many threes. I'm going to do this many push ups. I need to do this. And he's like, and I can't get it done without you. So I'm going to need you to rebound for me. And he'd set up <laughs> my tasks for the day. And I just thought it was the best, yeah. you know? And so that's awesome. And then my oldest sister is just like an actual angel. And so I don't, I can't give all the credit to my parents. <laughs> they got really lucky with the two oldest ones that yeah. set the tone and this is what we do. And they made it fun for us. But what they did do there was on Mondays, I think it was our version of like a family home evening. We, my dad would just say, all right, what do we have this week? And you know, I think my older brother and sister would say, well, you know, I've got, I've got this and I've got to do this. And, and so, um, somehow we all just felt like, boy, if we don't get it together, I think it also helped that we were pretty broke. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we, we had that literal fear that we weren't going to eat if yeah. we didn't like get it together. Yeah. And so, but I, I think it, it was. And so we, he, they helped us feel like leaders, like among our friends, we were the peer, like, if anybody was going to jump off the bridge, it was because we said so. Hmm. And that's a trick too. Yeah. And uh, I don't I don't know how you instill leadership and things. I think personality, character, leadership, all those things in your kids, I think as a parent, those are the things that you stay up at night. Like, how do I, yeah. how do I share that? And um, I, I don't know. We, we got, we got lucky. My parents say it all the time. My mom had an sort of her epiphany as a parent and she said you know she was so stressed out as a young mom like how do I do this 
I'm going to mess it all up. I can't believe they gave me five kids. They're, they're letting me take these kids home. Like, how am I supposed to do this? And she said that she had this kind of really an epiphany one day where she said, these are not, it doesn't matter what you do. Like your job is to make them feel loved and to make them feel safe. Yeah. And then anything else they do or don't do is, is theirs. Their choice. And so that put her into a place where that's all she did is just love us and keep us safe. And then she would just be thrilled by anything we did or didn't do. And that's hard to do yeah, because as a parent, you do, you want their successes and failures reflect on you. Yeah. And somehow she was able to disassociate herself from that. And that's a hard thing to do sure. as a parent. And she also just gave in to the house being a mess. Yeah. yeah something's got to give. I, and I that was her. There yet. That was her. Yeah. <laughs> you guys keep a keep a great house. Yeah. But she, like my brother and I, would be playing soccer in the house, and <laughs> my mom would just sit there and just be so thrilled that we were playing oh, together. <laughs> Thanks for breaking that window. Oh. <laughs> no, it really was like that. And so we we laugh about it now, but like the joke in the family was, it's nobody's fault, you know. And that's, that seems like bad advice, yeah. but my brother and I would break something and she's, it's okay. It's nobody's fault. No kidding. Huh. And he said, even as I'm saying this, it's amazing. I'm not a sociopath because it's anyone's fault ever. <laughs> oh, but I think but Dan, I do. Dan and I's response to everything was, it was him. <laughs> it was fault. wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think that that gave us a sense of like, okay, well we did have to clean it up, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so they were our things. We so weren't going to break. Took responsibility yeah. If we broke it, we were yeah. going to either try to replace it or pay for it or somehow it felt like it's still our house. We were going to play soccer in our house, Yeah, but, um, we did have this little entryway in our house that was kind of the door and then a hallway coming in and it was lined with family pictures on both sides. And my brother would, I was usually the goalie and he would kick. <laughs> and so I would stand in front of the door and the door was the goal, just a normal sized door. <laughs> yeah. And he'd have to fire it past me. <laughs> and so you can imagine like a full kick. He was a great athlete, still is. Ricochet. And pictures. we're probably oh, like yeah. 10, 15 feet away, tops. Oh, yeah. And he would just drill it at the door. <laughs> and so I don't know. Th- those are great memories, but and I just mom, don't know. Your mom just like She loved. thought it was fantastic. That's awesome. She just thought it was the best. Uh, so I'm glad that your mom has come up so <clears throat> often and early in this conversation. Um, she sounds like, she sounds fascinating. Uh, like someone that I just haven't ever met. And I know that, you know, it's not been too long ago since you've lost her. And that's, that's not easy. That's, that's a hard thing, especially someone who was so important to you in, in, in how you guys were formed and, and raised and, and grew up. And, you know, that, that idea of looking at people and actually seeing them, you know, even like these destitute people, homeless people or whatever, even calling them creatures like that, that, that's such a, I know that word is kind of, you know, whatever, but like, it, it just seems like such a loving and kind thing like to, cause these are people that aren't typically seen by us, right? We live our days and, and sometimes we even create laws or whatever to try and keep these people out of our sight because yeah, we don't want to have to think about it. Right. These are, it's not easy to deal with that because it's a responsibility. We all have a responsibility. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about where did your mom get that from? How talk about her a little bit as a person and, and kind of what that meant for you? Yeah, I think, uh, she had an interesting upbringing too, because my grandfather who died when I was about three and I didn't really get to know him, excuse me, super well. How old would your mom have been at that point? She probably would have been 
um, in her forties. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, no. Cause well, she had me, early. she had me when, yeah. when she was 30. So she would have only been 33. Yeah. So she was fairly young. Really young. Was That's really young. young. And he, so she grew up in a little town called Pioche, Nevada, mm-hmm. a little mining town in, in the middle of nowhere. My grandpa had, um, he, he was really short. He was like five foot four and he had some health issues and wasn't able to go to World War II. Mm. And so he was able to get a master's degree, which was rare at the time. He'd grown up super poor, but was a great student at Utah State, got accepted to Oregon State, moved up there to work on a master's degree. And he did an agronomy undergrad, and then he did a banking, like a finance uh, master's degree. And he was able to kind of be the bank president at little towns. He would take a job managing a bank branch in Pioche and then Panaca and then um, uh, Pankwood, Utah, and yeah. Salina and, yeah. and all these nice. little places. Yeah. He was from Redmond, Utah. And, uh, and then he moved to a little town called Holtville, California, which is near Yuma. It's on the uh, Mexico-California border. Yeah. So hot. It's like 130 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. And uh, he ended up being the mayor of the little town. Really? Kidding. Got the uh, got the streets paved for the first time. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> and he got the California Angels to come yeah, uh, do no their way. spring training there. There's uh-huh, a cool. there's a cool from like the '60s. There's a cool uh, New York Times or not New York Times, L.A. Times story. They came and interviewed him about he he was kind of a marketing guy and he. He called Holtville the cal- the carrot capital of the world. Had a, they had a carrot <laughs> festival, and uh, so he was just a he was a real personality. And I've always wished I would have had a little yeah. more of a chance. Sure, he moved up here. He retired, um, left Holtville. They moved up to Provo. Moved down the street from us. So I, I they were just living down the street when he passed away. But I was only three. Yeah. But it, my mom had an older sister, who she just loved to pieces. They had their oldest daughter, and then they had a couple miscarriages. So there was like six years, five or six years between her older sister and her. And then they had a few kids after that. Mm. But I think that that distance gave put her in a place where she just, you're old enough that you're not going to be palling around, but you just admire everything that they do. So everything her older sister did, she did a few years later. So she went to nursing school. There used to be a, a school downtown in Salt Lake called Holy Cross, where the Salt Lake Regional is. Right on South Temple, little Catholic uh, nursing school. She went to school there. She was like the student body president, and oh great, it was just a really just a delight. Even then, you see pictures of her, and um, in at at her funeral, we used her nursing kind of graduation photo. They did like a painting kind of thing. It was great. So then she moved down, got a job at the hospital in Provo, where they took you guys. Yeah. And uh, I remember Alicia that night, I, yeah. I think I told you guys that story. I was like, my parents met on you a blind did, date yeah. in the lobby of this <laughs> hospital. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. so, yeah, my dad was at BYU and they met. But it just, she she just kind of has everyone, even at the funeral, people who knew her back then, everybody came. And, you know, same thing I, I know with your dad, people came out of the woodwork to tell mm-hmm. stories and say, there was just something special from day one. Yeah. The thing that I've always admired about my mom that I don't think gets recognized a lot is um number one I never want moms out there to feel like why can't I be like that because it's so hard to be a mom and you have so much pressure of like being an angel there's this there's this kind of thing you've got to be you know making money on the side and you got to be a great cook and you got to always be put together and you've also got to 
um, be supportive and then also active in the community and then have a side business and have fun hobbies and you know stay really attractive and be up on trends and so much it's just impossible crazy. and so I, my mom just you know there were things that she just decided that's just not what i can do yeah. and i can't and she was very just at ease with this is what i can do and this is what i can't do and then the other thing that she did that i think is underrated is she that nursing degree she had she didn't ever practice much after she started having kids but she was kind of a scientist yeah. Like I would, I, my earliest memories are like sitting in her lap and reading her old nursing books. Huh. So I read the whole encyclopedia, like A to Z. It started and I just read them all and I read all of her nursing books and, and she would always read parenting books and she was fascinated with the science and the psychology of it. And so even though I think she did have the temperament to be super loving, sure. she was, she was intentional about it yeah. in a way that I think gets overlooked. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then she had some health things. I mean, she took some medication. She had bouts of depression. And so I think the public saw one side of her, but it, a lot of it came from choices that she made. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's going as far as getting help yeah. when, you, when you can't make it yeah. on your own. And so she was able to destigmatize a lot of things about mental illness, about um, self-care, about a lot of things that I think we're kind of finally learning now how important it is. And then there were even things about like helping her sons feel comfortable expressing love, um, comfortable talking about, you know, spiritual topics or, so it's made my brother and I, you know, I think we just pound boys into being like some, yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, we, we, I just feel really lucky that I grew up in a home where, you know, my brother and I could talk to each other in a way that, you know, we could express things. We both, like, I'm even a little teary right now. Like, we're a little bit of, we, we can't hold it together very well. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think that's a, a thing that is my mom's legacy that she, she was, she did have a, a temperament that was a gift, but she also was a student of the game. Yeah. Worked at it, right? Yeah. It wasn't just. Yeah. What a, what a awesome. special lady. And, um. Man, I tell you what, just like Dan, I think it would have been so cool to meet your mom. But yeah. you know yeah, what? I seriously. think through you, I think we, we yeah, get a glimpse, I, that's so. sweet. That's sweet. Is. Well, but I, you know, I, I believe in that. I think it's very true. So to go back to go back to your mom raising you guys, right? Your mom and your dad raising you guys. I I I, I, I love exploring parents that are awesome because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> so I, I look hard. at Alicia and I'm like, God, you're so good at it. And you, she can laugh about stuff that I'm like, what the heck are you doing? And she's laughing. And I'm like, why can't I react more like that? Like, I, I really have to try and be careful how I do that. Um, it, but but I, I love to, so I just loved the, the subject matter of like parents who are very patient and very kind and can laugh about things that that really kids deserve their to have their parents laugh about. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to those moments and, and, and tell me about like, what did they do to, to set up um, in your home a place where you felt safe as a young man opening up and talking, mm. right? I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing. Mm. And, and I'm going to give you an example real quick. My son, Preston, if there's any opportunity for him to ask his dad a question or his mom, and there's a no answer to that from mom and dad, and, and maybe it's not even like some, something bad, right? Maybe it's like, Hey dad, can I borrow your phone for a minute to go play my favorite zombies versus whatever <laughs> game? And I say, no, son, I need my phone. 
it's like it's like instant shame mm. he, it's not that he's he, he's mad at me necessarily i think there's a little piece of that but i think what it is it's like he feels ashamed because it's like his dad just told him no and so therefore he did something wrong mm. and i wow. think and I, and so i think Hmm. there's that I think kids do that to themselves wow. a lot hmm. right when they when they love their mom and dad and, and this that and the other so maybe talk about maybe talk about what your mom was so good at as far as like really giving you guys that platform to feel like you could really open up and talk well I this is one reason why I enjoy following you guys on social media and things and coming into your home but I can tell you both like enjoy the nonsense <laughs> And my mom loved the nonsense. What nonsense? But like, I mean, earlier, <laughs> your son Preston was like, he had, if I can tell the story, <laughs> he had, a, we were eating some corn on the cob that Alicia made. It was delicious. And he just went out on the back porch, put the corn cob down <laughs> and ate it like it was, like it was a trough or something. It was on. <laughs> but on, I love yeah. it because you've got to listen as a parent. If you can't enjoy those kinds of things, you're going to go crazy. Yeah. And so they made it creative and it was the whole thing of like, if we spilled something, we could play in it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, and that it, takes a lot of patience. It does take a, a lot of patience, but you have to have, and I think you're both creative people and I think you're both visual people. And I think you enjoy, I don't think he knows me that well. <laughs> <laughs> There's the hundred percent creativity. Here's the person that's got the charts on the wall. Right? Like your brother did. Well, you gotta have, you gotta have both. Yeah. But I think, my mom made those little moments so magical. Yeah. You know, you've got to have somebody in the house that recognizes when when something could be made fun. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, we didn't do this. This is one regret I have growing up that I've seen in other families that's been so great. Is just even we make it together, we eat it together, we clean it up together. Mm. And do I've it always together. right. Yeah. And I think we were so locked in together that like even though we like I look back and I'm like, we made her do a lot more than she needed sure. to do. And I, you know, I think I would come home and be like, this place is a mess. And it would never cross my mind to like, well, why don't you clean it up, yeah. buddy? Yeah. So my sister was the one that finally took that on. But yeah. I, I, you know, I just think that that's that whimsy is, is a huge parenting. It's a good word trick. Yeah. You know, my mom would just find ways to, and I'm an odd person. And I think, you know, it, it, I catch myself sometimes when I'm with other people and they, they're like, where, what planet are you from? You know? And I just think, man, in my house that would, they would ask for a, they'd ask for a re, like a reprise, you know, they, you know, and so it's just, I feel lucky to have grown up with parents who embrace the nonsense, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's I, I I appreciate that, and it's it's so fun to hear. And I, I think Alicia is so good at this, but it's so fun to hear about parents that can take any moment, and where where it's eh, the easiest thing for a parent to do is snap. Yeah, right. To get frustrated and snap when a kid does something, and and usually it has to do with making a mess, <laughs> or leaving a Lego somewhere that you step on oh, that Lego yeah. and it hurts like heck. And yes, <laughs> it does. It's not. That's a real thing, people. But um when somebody can take those moments and bring joy into them. And I see that a lot with Alicia and, and, and I think that's so cool. That's something your mom passed on to you because I, I look at, you know, I look at Alicia as a mom and I, and I see a lot of that in her and I, and I look at my kids so often and I go, these kids are so lucky. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what they have. And, and, and one day they'll, 
And, and, and so as you talk about your mom, I just get this sense of like how my kids will feel about their mom one day in the oh, future. For sure. And that's awesome, man. And, and thanks for sharing that with us. That's really cool. So go back to, go back to empathy a little bit, Spencer, because I feel like, I feel like as we're talking to you, I, I, I just feel like the over the, this principle that's in overdrive in your life is empathy. I feel like you have this ability to really see people for who, maybe not necessarily who they really are, because maybe it's the first time you've ever met them. But you you look you look deep in people. You really try and find qualities about them. You 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 care, right? You care. Um, how has that trait blessed you in your life? Like, what's that done for you, if you will? Well, there's you know. There's that story Jerry Sloan used to always say where he, he said, if you pass the ball, you've always got to ride home. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And I've thought about that a lot. And, you know, I, I, you guys know this, but the listeners might, but I used to cover the jazz. So yeah. I did some work for ESPN and it was the thrill of my life to get to go to those post game and practices and interview Salt City Jerry. hoops, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, he, you know, he recently passed away and had the same diagnosis as my mom. So I, kind of felt that but he was so and you know i think he was such an institution in utah that most of us who were jazz fans you had a chance at some meet and greet or you saw him at the mall or almost everybody has a story where you met him one time or or yeah you got a chance but he was so interesting that way where he clearly the whole reason he did everything is because he wanted people to get better yeah and i have you know, I found that joy in myself, like, you know, as a, as a, as a boss, as a manager, you know, in, in, in professional settings, it really is my favorite thing when an employee or a coworker, somebody like knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And I've, I've really felt like that's a lucky thing to feel because I've seen it professionally too, where there are some people who can't celebrate other people's success because it takes away from them right right? and i've i've never understood that and it's gotten me in trouble in some ways because early in my career i was blind to that i thought everybody was excited when we all hit a home run and then i realized oh there's some people who are not happy with that so i i think that's that's a a thing and then i don't know i i think i've thought about this even with jobs you know when when i'm applying to a job I, you know, when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I thought I would go to med school. And, and then I went to the Dominican Republic and did a study abroad in college. And I worked in a maternity hospital and we were delivering babies. And I was like, I do not want to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I went a different route and I, you know, I was a, I was pre-med, but I was an art major (laughs) because I thought I'll just do what I like. (laughs) So all of a sudden I graduate, I'm not going to medical school. I've got an art degree. And 9-11 has just happened and nothing's, nobody's hiring, nobody's doing anything, which I, I feel for a lot of the college kids yeah. right now who are going through a similar thing. Yeah. They don't know if the world's ever going to put itself back together. But I remember, um, so I had to do a lot of these uh, short-term projects. I would take a, a you know, I, I, would, I don't know, I would take like a six-month project putting together training or something for some company. And it was the, the worst yeah. <laughs> I like hated the work but I, I was just trying to hustle yeah just trying to do what I could but I remember having were you employed or were you kind of self I would do like a I would do like a 1099 10, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. okay I had like I was working with a recruiter there was an agency that 
took on a lot of these projects. Sure. And I teamed up with a great recruiter, and she was great. She would always keep me busy. But it was stressful. I mean, you go six months, and then yeah, three months you don't have a yeah, job, yeah. and then you're looking for the next thing, and it's hard to time it. Sometimes they were out of state, had to go to Texas, and it was just a really stressful time for me. I just didn't know what was going to become of my life, didn't know who I was going to be, and, and, you know, there wasn't a path anymore. You go to med school, your path is set. Sure. And so um, I remember kind of, I would have to interview all the time at these jobs, and at first I would go in, and I didn't have any experience, and I would try to, like, pitch them on me like i'm a great guy <laughs> and, and i they just did not care I'm a great guy. <laughs> they did not care i like it and i remember just being yeah. like that's always been my thing yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't enough and it was very disheartening to yeah. realize like they don't care and so i had my epiphany kind of in that moment Have was you not ever heard that good guys never win. You can't say I'm a good guy and expect <laughs> to win. No, just kidding, man. no but I, That's it awesome. was hard because I thought, you know, I'm going to work hard. I'm smart enough. You know, I, yeah. I just give me a chance yeah. and nobody would give me a chance. Yeah. And so I had to just go out and hustle and hustle. And you know, I got a lot of breaks for sure, but it was, it was hard and scary. But speaking of empathy, I realized I was doing it wrong in these interviews, I would go in and I was pitching myself Selling yourself instead of trying to, find and so out. as soon as I flipped that switch and said, no, you're, you're literally a consultant. Yeah. Like you come in and this, this entire interview is not about you. Yeah. You've got someone on the other side of the table who is hiring. Did they fire somebody? Yeah. Is, are they expanding? Like what's going on? And as soon as I, that switch flipped, like this doesn't, Changed. this isn't about you. Yeah. You, your life is a baseline. That's for you to live yeah. your life. But as you go through life, every person you interact with is, is having their own crisis, yep. the hiring manager. And now that I've been on the other side of it and I'm hiring, it's such a pain. Yeah. You're like, just get me somebody who can get this job done. I don't yeah. care. So somebody comes in and interviews with me and wants to tell me about their hobbies. I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. I don't yeah. care. I have, I have a weekend shift yeah. that I can't get anybody to take for $12 an yeah. hour. You yeah. know? <laughs> and so anyway, that that's been something that's been a real epiphany to me that as soon as I got more concerned with what someone else is going through. And I, you know, I, I'm not always great at it, but it, it's a mindset. And it's really helped me always have a ride home. Like yeah, you say, like that's a, I love someone that always calls you back. Somebody yeah. always has work for you to do. Somebody wants you on their team. And it's, it's, it's really true. If you're willing to think about what they need, they're always going to call you back. There's something about what you said about the hustle that, that is very important, right? I think, you talk about Jerry Salone. I think that guy was like the biggest hustler in the game back when he played. Yeah. And then he, and then the one thing I always loved about the Utah jazz when, when they were younger, I, I was a Chicago bulls fan. I was a Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. I know. I'm so sorry. This guy started salt city. Hoops, so I'm <laughs> sitting across from right now. It's just but a tragedy. I know, man. but you know, God, he's listen, so good. Listen, they were great. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't begrudge it. But, but the thing and Salone played for the, he bulls, was the original. Right? Bull. Yeah. Amen. So, so, but he taught, hustle and hard work and you dive for the ball right people used to call john stockton dirty he wasn't dirty he just hustled he played his butt off right and and i i think what you said spencer is you learned empathy through your ability to hustle and and i think that hustle encompasses a lot but hustle to me means somebody who's up active they're engaged they're trying they're putting in the hours they're putting in the effort and and if you do that 
there's no doubt that eventually you're going to learn those things. Whatever you need to learn, you're going to learn those things. They'll come back and bless your life. And, and for you, it was as you're going through this hustle, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is you're going through this hustle. All of a sudden, you're getting this ability to stop and go, it's not just about me. I need to understand. I need to start looking at this thing and say, what, you know, what do they want to hear? When I'm going into these job interviews, I need to somehow not just sell myself that I'm the good guy. I mean, you, you are, you're a good guy, right? I've been a good guy in interviews and people haven't hired me, right? Yeah. The good guy. Sometimes that doesn't sell you for the job. But, but when you can go in there and you actually are concerned about, you know, the company or, or why are they hiring? What are they looking for? What do they need? And you can engage them in that conversation. That is absolute empathy. And you learn that from your hustle and your ability to get out there and go through it and put in the effort. And I, I think there's something really empowering to understanding that in our lives when we really start to, to, to basically accept that if we want something and if, if we're willing to put in the effort and just go after it, it's going to eventually come. You know, we kind of, God's given us that ability. You know, if you want something and you put in the time, you put in the effort, you, you go through some hard times, right? You, everyone's going to fall the first couple of times. That's how it goes a lot of times in life. But we learn, we grow, we gain empathy, we gain gifts, and we, we, we learn things that really open up our minds and our hearts to understanding what we need to do to get, to really get somewhere with that. It's true. But you know what, this moment, I think with, uh, kind of this, um, you know, the, the George Floyd reaction and, yeah. and his death has had me re-examining a lot of that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. please. Because um, I, I, I have been forced to acknowledge when you and I walk into that interview, it's a different yeah. story. Sure. And that's something I had never considered. And I'd always thought like, you know, I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah. And I recently saw that clip, you know, where that interview with, with Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. where he says it's a, it's an especially cruel. I, I'm going to paraphrase, but he says it's an especially cruel phrase to tell a bootless man to pick himself up by his mm-hmm. bootstraps. Yeah. And so I've I've been thinking so much about. I, I went to, you know, you guys are from the Holiday area, yeah. and Holiday mm-hmm. had a Black Lives Matter rally, and I I was kind of laughing that this is going to be an influencers in the wild situation right. where yeah. <laughs> they're going to take an awkward photo and everybody needs to calm down holiday. Yeah. I didn't know that there were black folks yeah. in holiday and they put together such a powerful, um, uh, kind of rally the other day that they had folks who'd gone to Olympus high grown up in the area, you know, who were experienced what it's like to be black in a very predominantly very white, much. Yeah. you know, area with a lot of folks who are, you know, have served missions and have, you know, volunteered time and mm-hmm. consider themselves. I think most of the neighbors, there are great people, yeah. Yeah. people who are service oriented and community oriented and have probably done things to help out, you know, uh, immigrants and, mm-hmm. and folks in the community. And even they, one of the women talked about how she never expected to have to go and tell her son's coach, Who's are? Do you have his back, or are you gonna yeah. tell the kids not to use the N word at practice? Yeah, she's like, I couldn't believe oh, that I would have to do that. So anyway, the moment that I've been reconciling with is like, yes, we do have to make these choices of 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 how we're gonna respond to these moments. But 
one of the guys stood up there, I think it was last night, and he said, he looked out at all the white people in the audience and he said, teach us how to make money. He said, yeah. you know how to do it. Stop us in the street and tell us how you made your money. And it was, he was kind of going for laughs, but I kept thinking, what, what have I given back along the way and who have I reached out to? Because it's not about getting there yourself over yeah. the hump. Yeah. And the, the real value only comes as soon as you've been helped, you know, helping somebody behind you. So that's something that I'm going to really be focused on is I'm trying to read a lot from, um, you know, marginalized voices, mm-hmm. you know, black authors. And, and just even as you read it, you just think I had never considered that. Sure. Yeah. I'd never thought of it. So, so I, one of the, I'm, I'm so one of the glad words you brought that, that up, by the way, just, I just had to throw <laughs> it in there like that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So. so one of the words that came up pretty early, uh, in this, as you were talking, uh, is cynicism. And I read recently that the, like cynicism in itself is just a form of mental laziness. Um, and you know, some, I, th- I think it even gets to a point of like a, a giving up, mm. you know, like mentally, I'm just. I, I can't think, think my thing I can't think my thing can't think around it. Nobody's giving me the answer, yeah. so everything must be wrong, yeah. and I'm just not going to care. I'm going to make a joke out of everything or whatever. I I kind of like springboarding off some of this, you know, you're, what you're educating yourself on, uh, kind of hearing some uh, minority voices and, and things like that. What is it that you do to keep yourself? Aw- How do you guard yourself from cynicism? Yeah. Yeah, I think that right now I have a, a, a close friend group text yeah. thread. And we are all on kind of a political spectrum. And everyone is approaching the last three months, you know, six months kind of in such different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's pulling us apart Yeah, in a is. lot of ways. I mean, we've, we've had it out and we've called each other names yeah. <laughs> and we've said some things. And, and that's happening. Um People are losing faith in institutions, mm-hmm. whether it's church, whether it's the the country, mm-hmm. whether it's their party, um, you know, banks, everything. And so, uh, we're we're built on the rule of law. We're built on the the idea of trust in institutions. And I think, um, I believe in the promise of America, and I believe you know I extend that same pro- that same thing to the church, you know, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints where I, you know, I'm a, I'm a single guy. I'm 43. I've never been married, no kids. And so I don't fit in, in church, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's something that's important to me. And so I've const, I've constantly had to carve a place for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, now that being said, the church is made for a a white guy. Like I, in a lot of ways, I, it's set up for me, Mm -hmm. but still, you know, it can be a lonely thing. And, but it's an unfinished symphony in America built on an original sin. I think in the church, we have a similar thing mm-hmm. where we, we have to reconcile some of these things, but I believe in it and I wouldn't want to throw me out at 14. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mistakes that I'd made. And I, I want to give the, both the country and the church and myself the grace to, um, to grow. And that has to come sometimes with acknowledgement. It has to come with restitution has to come with a, a new kind of vision and <clears throat> but I but I believe all those things and so that's where I go where I feel like when it all comes down to it 
it's a matter of can you make and keep your commitment? And if you don't, do you know how to get those rocks out of your backpack and, and move on? Because if you can do that, if you can learn to make and keep commitments, and if you can learn to get over the mistakes you make, then you're, you're way ahead of most people in the world. Yeah. And then I think if you can find an ideal and understand that that's an ideal, that it's not always reality, I think you can avoid a lot of the cynicism. So I love beautiful things. I love what the world has to offer. And it's easy some days to feel. So I live right by the Capitol in Salt Lake and like right on State Street, one of those houses. Oh, yeah. So these protests every night. And I, right by, I, yeah. I like, you know, I, I, it, some nights I can feel the energy of whoever organized the rally for that night. Some of these groups are, are wild. Yeah. yeah. And right and left. And some of them, when they come by, I can feel it in my house yeah. as they walk by. And it's hard out there because, you know, everything on social media incentivizes dissension and contention. And it's hard right now for folks, especially if you're participating online. So I just think you've got to find a way to carve a place. You've got to be able to acknowledge that things aren't perfect, that you want to get better. And then you've got to have a routine to fill your life with, with those ideals. And so that means reading great things. It means watching good things, listening to great things. That's not new. The, 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 the times, hard times aren't new to us. Those things are, that's still the tool we were talking earlier. That's still the tool set that we have. And, um, I'm as convinced as ever that we have to battle cynicism and Absolutely. the only way we're going to make a better society is if we can lead out on providing a vision for other people. And you can't be a visionary as a cynic. No, you can't. It's impossible. Mm. You, it, it, is there anything more interesting, by the way, in a work environment when you have an employee who loves to throw spitballs from the back? Every idea is the worst. Yeah. Everything's not going to work out. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then put them in a leadership, have them lead a project or something. It's fascinating mm-hmm. to see them experience for the first time the weight of leadership. Yeah, I've, I've I love anytime I get a chance to do that. I do that. <laughs> I put them up. All right, let's 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 do it. Let's do it yeah. your way. Yeah. Let's go. You know, and to watch open. them all of a sudden realize, oh, okay. It's, it's a lot harder when I have to make a choice and try to make it happen. Yeah. And people aren't necessarily wanting to jump on board and follow yeah. me all the time, right? <laughs> you, you said something at the very beginning when you started talking about it. You said, you know, you, you mentioned the word grace. Isn't that what, all we, isn't that what we all want? Yeah, and we need, forget it. It right? gets forgotten. It's it, the most powerful thing, and we, it gets so overlooked. We want it so badly. Yeah. We crave it for people to give it to us all the time because we're aware of our own mistakes and our own failures. And when people give it to us, it's such a great thing. Why aren't we? Why aren't we willing sometimes to give it to others mm-hmm. or to give it? Even mention you mentioned institutions or mm-hmm. you mentioned churches and like every institution, every church, every political person or whatever is going to have some blemishes in their past. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we yeah. live in a imperfect world. And that's something that we can do is learn how to offer grace mm. and learn how to offer mercy to people. And when we do that, I'll tell you what, I like when when anybody in my life has given me grace, when I didn't deserve it, I I didn't feel like I ever deserved it, but when that's happened to me, 
they've got an instant friend for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I love that. There's love that comes to that person. Um, because that's a gift. That's a huge gift. And I think in a world where we don't really, we don't really, we don't, we don't do that anymore. We're not really raised to do that. Uh, we expect it, but we don't really give it. And and so I think that's a, a very important thing that you mentioned that, that can help us to really start to slow down and look at some of these things that are happening in the world and go, I need to offer a little more grace to some of these things that are happening. Well, I, I, I was telling you guys the story earlier that, you know, my mom passed away 18 months ago. It kind of sent me into a little bit of a spiral. I was trying to fight through it. I didn't feel like I was doing a good job at work. I'd taken a big new role oh, and, hard. Um, you know, I had a whole new region to people I didn't know and trying to work with remotely. And I, and I, I realized how much of my self-concept came from my job. Yeah. And, and if all of a sudden I'm not doing good in my job, then Your who am I? Yeah. 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 And then I didn't feel like I was being a good friend to family members. I didn't feel like I was being a good, I had a, I had a falling out with a close friend. And all of it had me feeling like, man, I am not getting it done in any aspect of my life. And that was the moment that I had that epiphany where I realized it doesn't matter. Your value doesn't change if you're a bad friend, if you're bad at work. And and I'd said that my whole life. I'd taught it. I'd served a mission. You know, I, I knew that academically. But in that moment was the first time I realized it really doesn't change your value in the eye of God. If you crushed it, it worked today. Right, right. And no matter what we accomplish, we don't earn that grace. And man, yeah, it hit me like point. a ton of bricks. And it, when, as soon as I realized that it just took this burden off me where I thought I, I do good at work because I like it. It's not because it earns me anything. Yeah. It doesn't make me better than my, other coworkers, it doesn't make me better than anyone else. It doesn't make me give me access to heaven. So <laughs> I don't know why, but that has been one, the most transformational thing in my life to have that understanding. How did, yeah, I mean that's huge. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to talk about like all, all three of us just a little yeah. bit about that because yeah, never once have I earned any grace that I've received. Right. Sometimes I hustle for that grace. You know, like I want to get it. I know I need it. And it's almost like I'm pleading to do, to get it, you yeah. know, like I, yeah. I, I'm going to go try and manipulate this person to get that grace from mm-hmm. them. You know, I'm mow their lawn or do some service mm-hmm. or whatever and hope for it. But that's it, interesting it, that it, you kind of like, get may selfish come, to gain right? grace. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's interesting. Um, and I wonder if we could just talk about that a little bit of, so if grace is not a thing that is ever earned, how can we go about just being more generous with our grace that we give to other people. And, and, and on that yeah. note, I kind of want, so kind of take it to what Dan just asked, but I, but I kind of like, how did you get there for yourself where yeah. you kind of get landed on that moment of like, my value doesn't change. And that, that, you know, that grace, that gift of grace was given to you there. What happened? Yeah. I, 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 I I think, like I said, it's so hard when you lose a parent. I don't right. know how it is for anyone is. else, <laughs> but it, it took me to some places that I'd never been. You yeah. know what I mean? And I remember one time I was walking across my main room in my house and I just collapsed on the floor. I wasn't crying. I was having a normal day. Nothing was going on. And it just hit me and I physically collapsed to the floor. And... <laughs> I got up and I just thought, wow, that is something. Yeah. 
that is something. And I realized, man, we are nothing. That was kind of the thing. I just realized like those connections to family, it just put me on another plane where I started realizing like, you know, what, what is it all about? What are we doing? What's going on? And that was the moment where I, I realized like, you know, if you got fired today from your job, it doesn't change who you are. And man, that was big for me. Hmm. You know, I just thought, you know, I don't know. It just made me feel so, um, you know, seen and cared for that, you know, you don't have to kill it at work. You don't, you know, you could forget somebody's birthday you can show up. And I think what you're getting at too is like, how do you keep from becoming a rotten human who's selfish? Because it does, it opens up the thing of like, well, if I can do whatever I want, then I'm just going to live a hedonistic lifestyle and I'm going to just chase that rabbit everywhere it goes. And I think that that's where, you know, what you said before is I'm going to mold people's lawns. I think there's an intrinsic kind of value that comes from not, being that kind of rotten person mm-hmm. that you, you don't, you can't enjoy the blessings of grace if you're out being rotten. I just yeah. don't think you can. So I think you would very quickly not feel good about yeah. yourself. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. So, so I think Dan kind of go down that, going on that path of grace a little bit more. I mean, first of all, you're, you're not a, a, a small guy. And so for that, just to knock you off your feet and put you yeah. on the floor, that's a, that's a big yeah. eye opener. That's yeah. kind of a gift I would say. Right. Yeah. A, a hard gift to receive but yeah. a gift to like have an eye opening like that. Um, and Dan, you mentioned something. I think you just called me fat. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're talking, we're ticket talking. He was six, going height. We're, we're height, talking height, six, height. three, like muscles everywhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, ladies, he's single. So right. yeah, right. you just let me know and I'll send you pictures. You, you, anyway. Um, so, so Dan, you, you, you mentioned something that's very interesting to me as well. How like to try and gain grace, right? Like you wanted this gift so bad. You, you wanted to gain grace. And so you therefore were like working to try and get somebody well, to give it to you. I think for me, like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I've internalized so many of my church's teachings so wrongly. And, <laughs> and you know, like that's my fault. Um, but like, so you're saying you're not perfect. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hard thing though. What you're just, but talking like, about. Yeah. I think, yeah, where I'm going is like one of the things when I was growing up in the church that we hammered, that was hammered into me like over and over and over again. I heard this message so many times is sure. We are saved by grace. You know, it, this grace is available to us because of what Christ has done for us. But... And it is a free gift for everyone. However, we believe that we, that that it is after all that we can do, then that grace comes in and saves us. And like I, I, I don't really believe that anymore. We we really focused on that. We after did. All you after all can you do. Know, that, it, the, like that was very explicit. That was, and that was, was in the bold letters. It was. And everything else <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It was like works, and it's like we're not saved by works. But dang it, you better work hard. Well, yeah. and we even use that as a differentiator. Yes, so yes. you go out as a missionary totally. and you're like, these mm-hmm. idiots think it's this. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? it's yeah, grace, 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 and no. But it's no, you have to do the work. And it's like, guys, no, it really is grace. <laughs> yeah, they had and it so, right. And so I think because I internalized it that way is it's like, okay, well, I always have to earn my grace from not only from God and from Christ or whatever, but like from the people around me. 
And so I better be working, you know, to earn that grace for air. And, and that is like exhausting. And it's like, a lot I, of I lawns can, to mow. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why true. I stuck on lawn mowing no, because I it, don't mow lawns. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, in, it, it's true though. And I think it comes out in interesting ways where we think if I'm a little better, my kid will turn out. Yes. Yes. If I'm totally. a little better, my mom will get better. If I'm a little better, I'll have a better wife. Or, or if someone, whatever, or if someone know? in the, someone in the family is kind of off track a little bit, boy, if I get it if together and think what we're doing there, yes. we're trying to be Jesus. Yes. We're manipulating. We're trying it's, it's, to, we think that we can, game. we, that we can atone for them mm-hmm. and we can't. What's mm-hmm. so funny too, is, is you're talking about that. The first thing that comes to my mind is, is Christ was approached by somebody that said, is the sin upon the person? I think it was a blind person, right? Is this sin upon the person or is it upon their parents that this person is blind? And and he says, it's neither. But it's so that you can see the glory of God. And think about that for a second. These people are like, well, who sinned? Like, which one's the one that screwed up so that this person mm-hmm. is blind now? And Christ said, none. Yeah. It's so that God's glory, it's so that God can have glory, like his, he can be glorified through this person. And so wait a second, you're saying that there's a person that's blind. There's, there's somebody who has weaknesses so that God can be glorified. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a powerful lesson for all of us. Like Spencer, you've mentioned, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to put so much pressure on yourself mm-hmm. anymore. What a reality check for you. And, and, and it's, it's brought a lot of peace to you to kind of step back and say, okay, it's going to be okay. I can trust well, that's right. a grace that you gave yourself. Right. I mean, like this idea of even being graceful to myself, you know, like totally just give myself some space. Right. And, and, it, and I, and the, and I think it's just what a beautiful thing for us to, to talk about, but to realize in our lives when that we, that we don't have to be perfect. We're not supposed to be mm-hmm. in this life. We are supposed to make mistakes. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to go through these things. And, and I just, I'm so grateful that you brought up, you know, some of these movements today, like black lives matter. I think that's so important to talk about because there's people crying out in all reality. I don't, I don't care who you are on, on, on what side of the spectrum well, and they've you been stand. crying out. Is right. the thing that, that, so that's long. what's gotten me that like, honestly, if, if we weren't in a pandemic, I don't think we would have listened again. Right. I think you're exactly right. I think we would have just kept going yep. on. Yep. But since we had to be stopped, we jumped, we jumped in <clears throat> and the risk is, are we being performative? Are we, are we yeah. just, is this a fad? And then as soon as the world starts back up again, we forget it's again, forgotten. because that's, that's the thing that hit me is that they've, you know, and even in some of my conversations with black friends, they've been saying like, man, I've been telling you this, you know, we've had this conversation, recent, like 2011, you know, 2014, so, 2016, right, like it's been right. This is, you know, and even the black lives matter movement has been going on for yeah, a long time. Yeah. And we finally care yeah. when it's convenient yeah. for us. And yeah. we have nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. They've right. been crying out. And this is an opportunity. You know, if you have, if we as people have any kind of love, empathy, concern, if we give grace, this is an opportunity. And I don't, I don't care if it makes people uncomfortable. Like it, it's going to. That's the point is it's different, right? To some of us, this is different. This is changing this is changing history, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, Hopefully. And even recent history where, 
you know, there has been certain, and I don't, I don't want to get too deep into it, but we, we all know we've had these conversations of swarming us lately and, and, and what a beautiful thing for us to actually stop and mm. listen to our brothers and sisters who have been crying for years to show love. So, so it's, it gives us an opportunity to just humbly say, I'm all ears. Yeah. Talk to me. I want to know where you're at so I can help you. And we don't have to throw ourselves in the trash. We can just say, yeah, I, I'm, that's a good we point. don't have to say I'm a bad person. We can say I'm Recognize. a good person and I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think we have to do that with everybody. I think there's a cancel culture right now. Yeah. And we, I don't and think it's, it's dangerous. Helpful. No, it's yeah. not at all because what, then we're only a step away of being canceled ourselves. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, like that's just, and it's situation. interesting. I was actually going to bring this up because that's the very opposite of grace. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we need to have statues of racists up. You know, we don't right. need to, we don't need to do that, but it does mean that we have to say, okay, here's where we are. Let's get better. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's really important. We, That's great. One, I, I kind of want to transition just a little bit because one thing, and, and this this definitely intertwines with what we just talked about. But when we were having dinner, we started talking, and you mentioned something to me that I is very important to me, and I know it's important to Dan as well. Um, but you you were talking about I you said I really believe that what you put out into the world comes back mm-hmm. to you. Can you talk about that for just a minute, and maybe how that's applied to your life and what you've seen? It, so maybe an example or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that I get a lot of joy out of trying to, you know, the way I interact. And I kind of uh, built my career on a social media kind of platform. You know, I was a blogger when, when that first happened. And I was able to kind of be early mm-hmm. as, a, as a personality in some of these formats. And I remember when I first started getting a little traction as a blogger, my my thing was... I, I want to put good stuff out yeah. and, and I kind of have laughed that I made a name out of like never posting like, cause it just, <laughs> it was so irregular, but when I did, it was going to be good. I remember you sending, know? <laughs> like I, I was so excited when I came across Salt Lake or Salt City Hoops. And then I remember sending you an email and I was like, Spence, there hasn't been a new article for like three months. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you wrote back and you were something like, Dan, thanks so much for reading Life's hard, man. Was <laughs> like, I really? yes. And I was like, <laughs> like, oh man, I didn't even think about that. I just want more content. <laughs> well, I, I just think, um, you know, it was just something that I wanted to do. And then I, I, you know, people would come at you, you know, as soon as you get a big enough audience, you're going to yeah. attract a certain type of folks. And that really threw me for a minute. Or mm. I was like, man, people are rotten. What is wrong with people? Yeah. And it got in my head. And then I, I, I kind of set a rule for myself. And that is, if they don't know you then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then second of all, only interact with people in a way that you would interact with them in real life. I love it. And if you don't That's know great. them yet, don't jump into their conversation and don't assume that there's this familiarity that happens online mm-hmm. that is so inappropriate. You don't know that person. So don't jump in and insult them. Yeah. And so I have a whole thing that like, until we know each other, until we've inter, even if it's online, like, Hey, let's, let's just be normal for a minute. And then if you want to share your opinion, but don't jump in here and tell me this or that or the other, and I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I can't remember what your question was. Cause that's you, you were basically answering, right? It's what you put out in the world comes back to you. And so 
here you are, you know, you're, you're seeing these conversations, you're watching, you know, these things evolve around you and, and you're making decisions to not be that guy and you're not going to put that out into the world. Have you seen that come back to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel super lucky. Like, um, you know, the, the talent that we had in that Salt City Hoops has gone on to be, Oh, like Andy know, Larson Andy's, is incredible. You know, the beat writer the for the, are- for the Salt Lake Tribune, yeah. Angie Treasure runs all the social yeah. for the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, my guy Jeff Lind is yeah. running the Color Factory and doing some of these other cool things. And I, I, I just for the record, I did not give Jeff his start. Like every <laughs> every good thing that's happened to me professionally over the last fifteen years, he's been behind the scenes. So, I just to be clear, he was a contributor, but I was writing his coattails. <laughs> it, was, it, it really was a cool collection of just really engaged yeah. people that that were very smart and 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 you kind of attract people like that yeah. and i think it's because you're kind of engaged yourself well i i appreciate you saying that but it, it has been really true and when i finally i i got hired with the jazz a couple of years ago i mm-hmm. took a, a vp of digital for them and it didn't end up being a good fit i was only there for a year but um i had to i had to kind of distance myself from the blog i, I gave it over yeah. i still own it but it's run by other folks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of had a moment to think back on like, I was like 10 years or however long I'd done it. And it was, so it was an emotional thing to kind of yeah. think like you put something into the world and like from all corners of the world, people come yeah. and, and I mean, it, not, not everybody gets a moment in your life. And it, it was a small thing. Nobody, Outside of this room, there's probably not very many people to know about, <laughs> but it was a, it was a very satisfying moment to say, I, I did something, I did it my way. And it was yeah. fully my, my idea of what kind of goodness I wanted to put into the world. And it was so satisfying mm-hmm. to have that resonate with people to say, yeah, there's so much nonsense. It was funny the other day I, I tweeted some, something that was ridiculous <laughs> and Twitter and all social media has just turned into like political hot takes yeah. Yeah. everyone's an infectious disease expert and then they're uh, you know they, they're an expert in, in constitutional law and like wow just yesterday you were an expert and you know it's so dumb and so i tweeted just one of my like stupid things that i always do and just it's so not anything that anybody's talking about uh-huh. And one of the guys who wrote for me way back in the day, he wrote and he said, you know, they just don't make tweets like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, it's true. We've just gone down this stupid thing and I'm like, yeah. just, just make each other laugh. Yeah. Like go out and do a little work and bring something to the table. I just yeah. think no one is bringing their own original content to the table. They're just commenting on other people. It's very true. Think about that. Yeah. Think about how destructive that is to only make comments and not and other people and stuff. not build yeah. anything. You're mm-hmm. not bringing anything in to be judged. Right. And so I always try and I still try to do this, that I'm going to bring something to talk about, uh, to judge. I'm going to bring a picture. I'm going to bring something I've read. I'm going to mm-hmm. go out and do a little work. And I'm going to put that on the table and, and we can talk about it, but I'm going to bring something and I'm not just going to show up and chop down what other people are trying to work on. So, yeah. You know. That's great. I love that. I love that perspective and that idea. I, I think I can, I can jump on board with that and I can do a little bit better at that myself. Totally. You know, a lot of the conversations we have are based on what others, other people are talking about and other people are doing and half the posts I see on social media are someone taking somebody else's thing and just forwarding it on. And it's yeah. like, 
you don't even know if that's true or not. And yeah. yet you're forwarding it. And right now, I mean, the stuff, some of these things are, they're clever. Yeah, but then you look sure. at the account and you're like, that's either a stolen idea <laughs> at best. Yeah. And at worst, this is propaganda yeah. that's being pushed yeah, on us. Right. It's very scary. The, yeah. this, and we're so quick if we agree with it. Yep. We're so quick to amplify it. Totally. Yeah. And you, then we're defending you, something we have no, no idea about. We don't about, know. Right? We don't know anything. Because you want to be right. See, yeah. this is why. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs to see this. It's yeah. the it's the <laughs> thing. If it if it matches my worldview, then it must yes. be true. So I'm going to amplify. Oh, it. I'm so guilty. I so, so, <laughs> but on the contrary, I love that idea though of you bring your thing, something you've studied out, something you've sought out, some an idea, a picture, a quote, a, a poem that you love that's got some delight, right? I mean it. That's what this is all about, right? This thing that Dan and I are trying to do is find that light in life. Like what's delightful? What is light? That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's that ability to find, to be, to be a little different in the sense of not just following kind of like your mom taught you guys as kids, right? You don't just, you go and, and you, and, and you, and you be leaders. you like, you be leaders. You, you, you decide for yourselves. You have the agency to learn for yourself, to grow for yourself, make choices. And, and obviously your mom taught you well, because the choices you're making, you're trying to uplift people around you, whatever you're doing and engaging in. And that to me is what it's all about. That's light. That's, that's what I, 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 Thank you for sharing that with us because I feel like that's a huge lesson for me. Take something to yeah. the table. Bring something, not just that somebody else passed along, but bring something. You know, I, I think even before, you know, my mom passed away, I had my 30s were just hard. I was working and I was just trying to figure out. 30s are just 30s hard. 30s are hard. I think that's for everybody. <laughs> and I... I saw a picture of myself one time and I was like, man, you look terrible. <laughs> look terrible. And I realized I wasn't happy. Are you no. calling yourself fat? Yeah, I was. <laughs> and listen, listen, at that point I was. And uh, I, I had a picture of me little with my mom and she's playing the piano and I'm like behind her and my two sisters are on each side and she's looking back from the piano and she's just thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's how she sees me all the time yeah. now as much as ever. And I, I said, that's who I am. And that's, so that was a big moment for me. Cause I thought, you know, it's all, it, we can choose what we want to put out there. And I realized I, this isn't what I want to put out I wasn't put on earth to mope around. Cause if that's the case, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So I, I had to kind of get a little reflection. It was kind of funny. I actually put mirrors in my house and I realized I just didn't have mirrors in my house. Uh-huh. And that changed a lot of stuff for me. That's interesting. How, what was my posture? Like, what yeah. was I, when I was walking out the door, what was I taking out there with me? And I don't mean that in a vain way. No, for sure. I just mean you, had, self-aware. you see yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then it changes what you do, like how you approach it. And I started to be like accountable to, accountable to yeah. myself in a, I mean, awesome. in, a, in a physical way, uh-huh. putting a mirror in my house. Make <laughs> sure there's that smile. And what does that smile look like? Right. Yeah, like no, this. that's awesome. Huh. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, Spencer, I, I, I think we've had you here long enough and, and I'm just going to move in. This is plenty, <laughs> hey, plenty of room down here. Make right? some good alote. I, listen, she? that was delicious. <laughs> that was good stuff. But anyway, I, you know, I think one of the things that Dan and I like to do and Dan, Dan, I, let me 
I'm going to turn the time over to Dan Gregson <laughs> for a second. Is there any other questions that you have that you that you've been on your mind before we kind of wrap up here? Uh, not really. I I mean the I've loved the conversation so much yeah. today. This has been really fun for me. It's been um, fun to see where it evolved too yeah. as well. You yeah. know, like yeah, it was a lot of fun. No, it was it was great. I'm I'm good. Yeah. I I I think let me let me ask you this, okay? Um we 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 kind of we kind of like to ask people like what what is the greatest like the hard things that you've been through right so maybe some hard experiences maybe your the passing of your mom or seeing some of this stuff that's happening in our world now and just feeling deflated because you're like ah you know whatever it is or realizing that you're maybe not in your 30s who you wanted to be at that right. time or yeah. whatever right. yeah. whatever it is you know we one of the things that we we kind of like to end on is what what gift has the darkest moment in your life, the hardest trying time in your life, what gift were, did you receive during that time? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I think really that, that moment after my mom died, you know, when I realized like, Hey, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. That was big. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I've, I've really, been so lucky to have siblings who don't get in my business. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but man, to have a very religious family and a very devout family and to be able to share in each other's, um, you know, progress and things like that, and yet stay out of each other's business. Mm -hmm. That's, that's hard to do. And I, I don't know, I'm a private person and I just, it means the world to me to, be able to have that, um, just like they always had it be my thing. They've let it be my thing as an adult. Yeah. And I've noticed, especially among my single friends, mm -hmm. so many of them have become kind of estranged from their families sure. and from church and from some of these things because people are constantly trying to put them in a box yeah. or give them advice or push them in one way or the other or tell them why they're wrong. And it's deflating. Yeah. And so I've been very lucky to have a family that doesn't do that. And I think I just had a conversation with my dad just yesterday that had me thinking a similar thing where he and I were discussing kind of a church thing that's complicated and we were able to just kind of talk about it. And, and I said, dad, the thing that I love that you gave me is you led by example, you, you did your thing, but like, like I could always come to you and say, hey, this is weird. I read yeah. a weird thing. Yeah. And he would say, well, let's read it. You know, we'd both read it. We'd both be like, wow, it's some messed up stuff. <laughs> so and so I just think that's a really great gift that he gave that he, um, because sometimes with uh, curiosity and, and, and some of that comes the cynicism sure. and the lack of faith. Sure. Yeah. And that's the thing that you're told like, don't read that because yeah. you'll lose your faith. Right. But what a powerful thing to have someone read that with you and to Even. understand that like at the end of the day, the key is giving service and making and keeping your commitments yeah. and everything else. The history of God's interaction with the world has been weird. Yeah. The old Testament is weird. <laughs> the new Testament is weird. Like, and God's people have been wrong the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The scriptures are the, documentation of God coming down and telling God's people that they're wrong. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's a good and, point. And so we shouldn't be surprised yeah. <laughs> to, be wrong. to be wrong. And yeah. so I think it takes a lot of uh, willingness to say, I don't understand. 
but I want to, and I want to do better, and I want to serve, and I want to do the best I can. So we don't give up. We keep going. We aspire to greater things. We try to do what we're told, but we also allow for the fact that maybe we're wrong. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. And and just as just as your personality says out loud to those that you come in contact with, you love and you lift. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Isn't that the, isn't that the gospel? Isn't that what life is all about? When you figure that out, how to love and lift people around you and what you put in the world of serving others comes back to you. And, and, and we just go around offering up grace to everybody around us. And I, you know, I, amen. And, and so, um, episode two with Spencer Hall is going to be the weird stuff that he and his dad <laughs> read together. I can't wait. So tune in for that one. Um, Spencer. That actually would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we know, both read a lot. So. We uh, we love you, and and you're you're phenomenal. Thanks for Absolutely. all you've done for us. Same. Lives, and, 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 and by the way, just let me say, I I I just love that you guys let me be a part of this because it's it's so fun to see. So I appreciate Dad, that. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of it. So. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for Come Towards Delight. We had a great interview and conversation with Spencer Hall. Love Spencer Hall. The thing that I learned from him, um, and, and it came out multiple times through our conversation, was empathy. I mean, every person, every situation, every circumstance that Spencer looks at, he has an ability to really empathize with the people he's talking to, the people he's talking about. He tries to get on their level, and I, I just, he's such a delightful guy. Like, I wish you guys could all be with him in person um, and, and just get a sense of, of who he is and how you feel when you're around him. He just makes you feel loved and appreciated. And I mean, I even watched him with my kids tonight when we had him here at the house and the way that he grabs him and sits him on his lap and really tries to talk to them and get to know them. I, I just feel like that's such a beautiful thing. In our world right now, with all of the craziness and chaos going around, if we can all practice empathy a little bit more and try harder to really understand people, get on their level, have those hard conversations and listen, gosh, we could all learn so much just listening and slowing down and trying harder to, to really hear what people have to say and, and try to understand them better. So anyway, thanks for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at cometowardsdelight at gmail.com. See See you next time. time.